With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. time for another edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. All right. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast, the Indian Wells edition. I'm James Martin with Pete Bodo and Tom Prada. What's going on, guys? Everything's kind of coming to a head here at Indian Wells as the draws get down to the business end of things. It's been pretty exciting. And obviously, one of the big news items of this week is Roger Federer has lost. He uh, went out to Marcos Bagdadis, who, of course, has since uh, done his swan song, but uh, there's been a lot of chatter online about Federer and, you know, what does this loss mean and does he care about Master Series events? And I, I went and started looking at his record um, as far as his Master Series uh, events over the last few years. And I th- it's kind of interesting if you look at what he's done in Master Series events, he's only won four of his past 26 Master Series events for Federer. And before that, basically in the, o- the 2004 to 2006 time period, he had won nine of them. So clearly, Federer is not winning these Master Series events like he used to. And there's people asking, you know, does he care about them? Does it matter to him? And and before I put it out to you guys, I'm just going to say, no, I don't think it does matter to him. I think he he's happy to come into these things, get a few matches under his belt. But he's just all about the Grand Slams. Not saying he wanted to lose to Baghdadis, and he was a little tetchy after that loss, obviously, and didn't exactly uh, give Baghdadis much credit for, for beating him. But I don't really think he cares. Well, you know, it's a little like, you flip around the old equation, you know, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In this case, I think the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. I mean, y- you got to cut the guy a break. I mean, why does he need the Indian, do we need win Indian Wells 17 times? Yeah, exactly. It's great if you can, but look, y- desire is not something you can stage manage. You can't force yourself to have desire either with your will or with training. It's just there or not there. And I think Federer's thing with these, Federer's got his eye on the majors. He said so many times, and so these things are going to happen. I mean, Tom, do you have any uh, added thoughts yeah. to that? I mean, I remember talking to Federer's agent two, maybe it was three years ago now, and 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 he said, "Look, Federer's he's changing his he's changing the way he approaches the pro tour. He's just going to be all about the slams." Makes sense. I agree with what Pete says, and also, you know, he hadn't played at all since the Australian Open coming into this. He had a lung infection. He hadn't practiced all that much. I can't really say you would expect him to do all that well here without having played and competitively in a couple months. So. It's not, it's not a big surprise, and, and it doesn't mean anything either. I mean, I think last year at this time when he, you know, was going badly, everybody was wondering, oh, what's wrong, and he just lost the Australian Open, and then he goes out and wins two majors, including the French Open, and, you pick makes, a fin- and makes a final in the U.S. of Andy Murray. Andy Murray, okay, you're yeah, still alive. He's still alive. My pick as well, my pick as well. James alive, too. Your pick, Pete? Well, my pick, my pick. My pick is out, John Isner, but I want to tell you something. John, I- John Isner showed himself to be a player this week, I think. Com- this week combined with Davis Cup. I think it's a huge net gain for him. Oh, absolutely. That match against Nadal was very close. Um, 
Uh, to me, I, I thought the big difference, I mean, look, Izzer didn't serve as well as he could have, but he is not He is more than a serve. He looked hesitant, a little tentative at times, and I think that was all up to, to Nadal's speed, guys, because, I mean, he, Nadal was getting to a lot of those big forehands, and I think that ultimately rattled Isner a little bit and made him a little bit more inconsistent than maybe he'd like to be. I like Isner's attitude, though. I have to say pretty, pretty cool, pretty calm the whole way. Saved some break points here and there. Served pretty well. Guy hits 110 mile an hour forehand. It's crazy. I know. Not hey, many you know, guys can with do Isner it. Is you got look when you when you're John Isner with that serve. If you lose that serve early in the third set, like you did, you know, end of story. I mean, let's face it. John Isner's not going to win tennis matches if you lose his serve. So basically, if you can go out there, I watched the beginning of the match. He was just, you know, tagging aces left and right. And you said, well, this guy can just, you know, shut everything down and, and win this match. But, you know, you got to take care of that serve. You got, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a simple explanation for the loss in a sense, other than the doll's talent, obviously, which is he lost his serve. Right, and the, the other stat that stood out to me as that match was wearing on is Nadal made his first unforced error after the 59th minute, and that's classic Nadal. He, he was also, Tom, I think you, you re- noticed this as well. I mean, he was hitting the ball really aggressively. He was, he was trying to do more with the forehand. He was being aggressive but not going for lines or anything. He was just moving it around, and it looked like the old Nadal. He looks completely healthy, and if you, if you look at the, the draw right now, I mean, he is looking, he's looking pretty sharp to do well here. So if Nadal wins, I get the credit, boys, right? Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I picked Isner, but Rafa beat Isner, so like, he's like at least 50% my boy, right? Well, <laughs> I guess so. We can, we can, we can talk about that yeah. <laughs> in the next spot. But let's, let's look at the, the bottom half of the men's draw, and I'll preview that a bit. Nadal will play Thomas Burdich, win for Nadal. That's not even going to be close, for yeah, God's sakes. Just mail it in. I mean, I don't, Burdich shouldn't even uh, bother. Uh, of course, now the guy's going to play. Wait, wait, wait. Tom's got to chime uh, in yeah, here. Yeah, I'll disagree on that. I mean, I think Nadal's going to win that match, but I don't think it's easy. He's had a lot of trouble with him in the past. The guy really not the last time they played. No, that's true. ever take a non-contrarian position? This is true, but not the last time they played. And well, this who is knows? true, but but it's still on a surface like this. It's it's it'll be it'll be not that easy. I think he'll win, but. You think Burge will win? No, I think Nadal will win, but okay. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. And then in the other other uh, quarterfinal, um, which is certainly probably going to be the first one on stadium court, will be Juan Monaco versus Ivan Lubachik. Tom, I know you're a fan of Lubachik. He's going to be 31, I think, on Friday. Did you say that second round or quarterfinal? Quarterfinal. <laughs> I mean, well, Lubachik, hey, he beat Djokovic yesterday. Djokovic looked pretty meek he was he said after he lost that he was happy to be out he was exhausted emotionally from the davis cup big surprise there and he's not going to be he's just going to need a rest um i don't think lubachik watching that match did anything special i mean he just got the ball back hit some nice backhands but guys djokovic i mean he doesn't put the ball away anymore maybe the glare off lubachik's head blinded djokovic oh yeah like those mirror tricks i'm glad i'm glad is a good guy but yeah he looks pretty creaky out there it's amazing that he uh he made the quarters here last year too, and, and you know he's got a good shot against Monaco. I mean, why why not pick him to win that match too? Tom, well, Mr. Mr. Contrarian Parada, I have a question for you. What do you what do you make about the you know uh, Todd Martin's impact on Djokovic's game here? It doesn't look like this has been like a co- coaching genius on display here. I think it's a little too early to tell. I haven't seen, but he hasn't done he hasn't done that well since they've gotten together, and you know his serve looks a little off, and he's just hitting the ball too much spin, not enough pace, and. You know, he's trying to come into net a little more, but he wasn't really doing that at this tournament. He just looked exhausted. I think Djokovic's biggest problem is there's he gets in his head sometimes that he doesn't feel like being out there, and once that happens, there's no changing his mind. No, I, I agree with that, and he does hit with a lot more spin, it seems, these days. His serve is sketchy, and I, I was just struck. I mean, he's playing Ivan Lubacek, who, yeah, you look at him, the, the bald head, 
the the he's got he's got the headband around it. It's this glowing orb. He's got the kind of the schlumpy shirt. <laughs> he looks like somebody at my local club. And and here he's basically moving Djokovic around and, and beating him fairly handily. You could kind of see what's going to happen in that match. I mean, Djokovic was not putting up a big fight, but he wasn't putting the ball away. And that and, and Tom, do you think that's going back to he is he's hitting with too much spin? Is it a confidence thing? Because you you can't be number two in the world for very long if you don't have a real weapon or you don't have blazing speed. And right now, Djokovic doesn't have either. He's very irritated with tennis very often, and you don't oh, see that please. from some of the other guys. He's irritated with tennis. World's number two player, right? Well, I mean, he, uh, that's what's the amazing thing to me is a guy looks like he, you know, is just hates being out there at times, and it's, it's, ba- it's baffling. You know, he reminds, he reminds me of an ice sculpture. If you took a really beautiful ice sculpture, really, really exquisitely done, very detailed, and put it out in the sun, this has been the story of the guy's career, it seems to me. And gradually it starts to melt. And all those sharp edges in great detail start to sort of dissolve and melt away. And pretty soon, just got this kind of big, shapeless blob of ice. I mean, I mean that kind of seriously. This guy's game, when he first came on the tour, was sharp, precise, clean. It was one of the cleanest players I've ever seen, I think. And over time, these glitches come, come in. And then all of a sudden, he's not playing the way he used to play. He's hitting with more spin. You know, he's not, he's not building points like one, two, three, four strokes, and it's over. I, I don't know. This How does something like that happen? That's what, what's I your can't theory? Figure it out. Uh, I mean, maybe it's it's a it's a problem with the with the Serbian gene based on what you see with the yeah Serbia t- not doing so well right now. <laughs> That's right. Well, it looks like it'll be a, a Nadal Lubacic semifinal, and you got to favor Nadal to get through the bottom half of the draw. In the top half, um, we've got two quarterfinals that are um, well. One I don't think is that interesting. Let's uh, for my money anyway. Roddick versus Robredo. Tom, I know you were looking into the to the. The record there, what, what do you have to say? Uh, Roddick has just owned Tommy Robredo like no other player owns. It's, it's He's 10-0 and against him. He's beaten him twice on clay, and he's lost one set to him in all his matches, and that was on clay. Yeah. I mean, look, Robredo is a steady player, but Roddick should get through that. And then we've got Andy Murray versus Robin Soderling. That could be interesting. Soderling beat Songa yesterday pretty handily, 3-4. and four. Now he's going up against Murray, who um, – I'm still liking to win the tournament, and I think he'll have enough consistency, and he'll be flipping and spinning and blocking enough balls back to irritate Sutterling and win. But um, that could be interesting, Pete. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sutterling's an, an impressive guy. You know, you, you kind of wish Djokovic had a little more of the Sutterling in him. You get the feeling little, with this little guy. little jerkness to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You get the feeling with this guy that, uh, you know, he just, you know, he, he's like one of those punching bags that keeps bouncing back up, you know, with the weight in the, in the bottom. It's like, you know, he, he, he takes some, you know, big shots. He loses a big match or, or he pulls out with an injury or something. But, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, okay, Soderling, gee, he was really on a roll, but it looks like he's not going to be able to back it up. He's going to drift back into that, you know, second 20, second 10, you know, status. But the guy keeps keeps coming on strong. He's a fighter, you know, and I think that today if you're a fighter in, in pro tennis and have a reasonable amount of talent, you're going to do well. Well, and Soderling, he has a weapon. And, I mean, I know, Tom, you profiled him for Tennis Magazine and um, – you know, you 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 found out that maybe he's not as big of a jerk as sometimes he he <laughs> looks on the court. I, but I actually found him very agreeable to talk to. He seemed he seemed pretty nice, and I think some of that stuff is him just getting ornery on the court. It's it's a little bit more show than it is real. But he's got a couple weapons. His backhand is really big. His forehand, when it's on, is really big, and his serve is underrated. It's very very good. And it's all right to be ornery on the court, don't you think? Because uh, I mean, it's that, good that, to be ornery on the court at times. Djokovic needs some of that. Pete's right. I mean, if you need to have a little of this, hey, I'm gonna, I don't like you, and I'm gonna beat you, and I'm not gonna be nice about it. And um, at any rate, uh, it, uh, that that'll be a pretty competitive match. But I, I think we're looking at the two Andes. Well, I think it'll be a great semifinal if we can get the two Andes going at it. Um, and I like Murray in that, and I know Tom does too. And uh, Pete's going to be pulling for Nadal now since he uh, he took out Izzo. And uh, 
Then we got the women's draw, guys, and it's been decimated. No surprises. Well, I guess it's a surprise for some, maybe a surprise for others, but it's it's not been great tennis on the women's side. Uh, I think most of the matches have been pretty cruddy matches. The quality of the tennis has been bad. I, I, I love the sport, and it's hard to just come out and, and trash an entire draw. But, I mean, it's been bad. I was talking to Steve Tigner, one of our, our podcasters here and bloggers, and uh, he emailed me back and said the only good match he's seen so far was Malik and Zhang Ji. I mean, it's been bad. I mean, whether it's Maria, I mean, looking at Dementieva yesterday losing, and it was like she looked like she wanted to be on a flight to Miami already, and, and her volleys were weak. And it's just the tennis has been very uncompelling, and now we're left with, you know, not to take anything away, these girls that are left, have, have they deserve to be there. But, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on this draw? Because, I mean, they deserve to be there, but we deserve better. There you go. I think that pretty much says it, right, Pete? Well, I, you know, boy, I'm, I'm floored, you know. Tom Parada dropping the big W bomb. <laughs> wisdom, wisdom from the from the man. Uh, you know, yeah, I think that's true. But there's one other factor here, which is that any girl out there who's lurking isn't very well known, who's hungry. Uh, let's think Klybanova, for instance. Is is it really going to see this? You know, they're going to see this big opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Wozniacki Redwanska, Wozniacki. That's a semifinal. Yeah. Yep, that's a semifinal. You know, that's that's kind of nicely set up for Wozniacki to do well because, look, she's going to have trouble with some of the really very top players, especially when they're on their games because she doesn't have a weapon. But I'm when you got, you know, chaos like that's going on out there now, that's where someone like Wozniacki can really capitalize on our opportunities by just playing steady tennis with good nerves. She doesn't need a weapon. She doesn't need a weapon to beat most of the women who are, who are left in his draw. And, you know, so that's a net plus. I still say watch Yankovic. You know, I, I, I think her she's she's got to come back. She's too good a player to be languishing. Well, she's there, and she's in the quarterfinals in the top half. She plays Klebanova, and uh, I'd I like her to get through. I mean, she surprised, that, surprised me that she's gotten this far, and she did handle pair two and two, Tom. I mean, she, she, that I think we all thought when we were talking the other day that that would have been a closer match, and, and Yankovic got through that very easily. Yeah, that's a, that's a good win for her. And, uh, you know, Sam Stoser on that side, talk about someone who actually does have a weapon, at least can really serve well. Yeah. Um, and she's got, you know, against Martina Sanchez in that quarter is – that's a very winnable match. It's totally wa- totally wide open. Wozniacki, I think, is probably the person to to beat right now. But that match against Rodvanska could take it could be a three and a half hour <laughs> match over two sets because neither one of them never they never miss and they don't really try to put the ball away too much. Either. No, there's a good arc to their shots. And I mean, I've enjoyed. I mean, for all the women's match I've seen over the last you know eight nine days, I've enjoyed Wozniacki for this reason and this reason alone at least. She does keep the ball in play. She moves it around. Yeah, she doesn't go for the big winner. She doesn't have the power, but. I've enjoyed and appreciated watching someone try to at least move the ball around and create a point than just I'm going to hit this with basically my eyes closed and it's either going to go in or it's going to go out by five feet. And that's just very ugly tennis. Uh, it is. And I, I, I sometimes wonder if, if some of these girls are watching Brad Gilbert's second book, Losing Ugly, but I don't know. Uh, Maria Sharapova has also just announced uh, she lost her match, obviously, and now she's saying she's going to be out three to six weeks with a bruised right uh, was it right? A, a bone, bone bruise her on her elbow. right elbow. Yeah, yeah. Um, now she's going to miss Miami for that. Maybe Mrs. Charlton. Any uh, parting thoughts before we conclude this podcast, guys, about Maria? I mean, the injuries just keep happening with her. Is it just a matter of she can't? She just needs to get into a match groove and, and get her body basically match fit again, or else these niggly injuries are just going to keep popping up. I, I think she's you know really working at it and has got to be really frustrated at this point because when she has come back, she's looked fit to me and strong and and then you know other stuff keeps happening it's going to be you you begin to wonder whether it's going to be a recurring problem for years to come and whether she's ever going to get back to where she was she's one of those players who really i think really really especially benefits from the 
confidence of matches won. You know, the be- the more matches she wins, the better player she is. Partly because that also suggested the more relaxed she is when she goes out to play. And this, you know, right now she's sort of, be- you know, mainly because of her injury, she's gotten she's in this horrible wheel spinning mode. Yeah. The de- more you spin those wheels, the deeper the ruck gets, and the tougher it is to climb out. She's got a real tough job coming up getting out of that. She's going to have to, you know, come back. You know, maybe the clay's going to be tough for her because it's always tough for her. But, you know, so maybe you're really looking at her, really trying to build Wimbledon? up some kind of headway on a hard courts. Do you think Wimbledon, or just do you think even she's going to have well, to look past you know, Wimbledon I don't at this ha- point? I don't, have, I don't have a lot of hope for her for Wimbledon because I don't think she'll be able to get enough matches. That's true. I mean, she played in Memphis. She went down there, and she played. No one ranked, I think, in the, in the top 60. But she won it, and it was a bold move, and it got those matches under her belt, but it didn't seem to make a difference here, Tom. It seemed like um, she's still incredibly rusty. And I, I think for me, the, the worry, if I'm Maria, is that, you know, when you keep getting these little niggly injuries and you don't have enough matches to get your body in shape, all the joints and everything moving, you're going to keep being susceptible to more injuries if you don't play regularly. Yeah, I, it, I'm sure she's feeling pretty bad right now because I don't know what the way out of it is. I mean, how do you – she's got to get to a point where she's healthy enough to play for six or seven months straight and then see where she can go. And she hasn't done that, and it's been a year and a half now. I mean, w- women's tennis needs her back. Um, they need they need her and the and the and the and the Belgians to do well, and and at least we'll have the Williams sisters next week in Miami to to hopefully add some life to the draw, and maybe we'll even talk about equal prize money next week on the pod that has been uh, uh, brought up offline here at Tennis Magazine and Tennis dot com, but we're not going to go. Actually, it has online, and, and uh, you know it's just a reflection of what's going on in women's tennis. Maybe it's a bit reactionary, but we'll get into that. Actually, we've got a couple pod questions uh, through email about it as well. But until then, we will uh, come back on Monday and recap the finals weekend at Indian Wells, break down the men's and women's finals for you. And uh, we'll also be doing a uh, mailbag edition next week, probably Wednesday or Thursday, so keep sending in your, your questions to podcast at tennis.com. And uh, until then, with Pete Bodo and Tom Parada, I'm James Martin. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you on Monday. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.